The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up, Spurs spook the Seagulls. Rowe comes back to haunt Leicester and Arsenal conjure up a win over West Ham. It's Lindsay Hooper here and with me today it's former Lioness Laura Bassett. Hello Bass. Hiya. And also the Athletic Charlotte Harper is in the house. and not in the house, she's virtually online. But hello Charlotte. Hello. Hello. Now... I've already given a, a slight nod to Halloween there. I was at Arsenal against West Ham and some fans turned out in Halloween costumes. <laughs> it made my night because I have to say I've had a bad run of things. These Sunday night matches, it's been absolutely tipping it down, pouring with rain. So it did brighten my day to see quite a few people dressed up. But I don't think anyone dressed up as well as SpongeBob SquarePants characters, which we saw in their full glory on Millie Turner's Instagram. I'm sure if you dig around on social media, loads of players will have some fancy dress on there. Have you been dressing up, guys? Bass, you've got the daughter. We'll start with you. Yeah, no, I'm afraid not. But this weekend, I was at my parents and uh, we had we didn't have any electricity. So we were kind of in the dark with the torches out. So that was pr- about as spooky as it got. So, yeah, but no no costumes needed. So, yeah, it was kind of challenging, but... Yeah, yeah. and a little bit spooky. Exactly. <laughs> I know Charlotte wasn't in fancy dress because I saw her. I, we didn't say get to say hi properly, Charlotte. I, I actually blew you a kiss at one point to say hi. You were at uh, Meadow Park as well. You weren't in fancy dress, were you? I wasn't, no. But neither were you, Linz. Um No. But I, I also I do love like seeing other people in fancy dress as you're travelling home. I always find that quite funny. Um but no, no fancy dress from me. But I Maybe admired... we should make it a rule next year that everyone all broadcasters have to dress up in fancy dress costumes. Bass, do the clubs do this? Why not? Uh, we're, we're coming on to this because, you know, Man United had their, and I know Arsenal have done in previous years as well. I just, yeah, I just think good team bonding thing to do. And it, yeah, it just gets everyone out of the comfort zone. Who got the best costume and creativity skills? It was a really dramatic weekend in the WSL. So many goals. Um, later, we're going to be speaking to Reading's Rachel Rowe, who brought the drama against Leicester. Ash Neville as well, who scored two in the Tottenham thriller Who'd have thought that? Eight goals. Let's start with that one down in Brighton. The corner is flicked on to Neville. What a finish! Brighton were well and truly blown away by Spurs. 8-0 the final score. Molly Bartrip opened up the scoring in the second minute. And from then, the goals just kept on flowing. There was one more for Nikola Karczewska, plus braces for Ashley Neville, Drew Spence and Jessica Naz. Before we get into this debate then, let's hear from one of the stars of that show. It was Ashley Neville. great of you to join us especially after an 8-0 victory I thought the celebrations would be going on for days after that one yeah I think they still might be the girls have obviously been in today we've kind of had a little recovery session at training today and obviously you can imagine the smiles on people's faces are still there so yeah really uh, really good result for us 
What has the debrief been like after that? Because you can't, in your possible wildest imagination, have thought that you'd score eight past Brighton. What do you think that you put it down to? Was there something that clicked over the weekend that hadn't previously? I think we've worked on it in training this week, knowing that uh, last week against Man City, we probably turned down a few chances of of shooting opportunities. That's kind of been our main focus uh, this week in training. And that obviously clearly showed on the pitch yesterday, putting eight, and I think potentially could have been a few more. And then obviously having five different goal scorers as well shows that it wasn't just all down to one specific player. When you go in at half-time 4-0, I I don't think you can be much happier than than kind of that but then to come away matching the first half of the second which is always kind of what we want to do we want to kind of be a team that can play over 90 minutes and I think that clearly showed yesterday that it wasn't all just a one half uh, 45 minutes everyone put it in until till the end including the subs that came on so yeah it was a, a big team effort. You've had quite the 12 months. Um, we've already spoken, I know, for, for Sky Sports together about England and that's been mentioned at possible Lionesses call-up. I know you've got lots of admirers as well, certainly from in our studio, uh, Kelly Smith being one of them. Look, I, I'm wondering what you think has changed because you are, are you 29 now? I am, yeah. You are 29. So in this last 12 months, to enjoy this period that you've been enjoying, what do you think it is that's been behind it? I think it, it's just the group of people that I'm around, the staff, the kind of club that I'm at. I think it's just um, helped me to excel, to be the best I can. And I, I thought last season was my best season, but I think at the moment I'm topping that starting this season. So, yeah, I'm just obviously really happy to continue with that kind of consistency. But I definitely have to say it's the coaching and the players around me that have helped me to get to where I am. What's the area of your game that you think's improved the most then in that time? Playing on the wing the last few games has been kind of, me believing that I can go and score goals and that's obviously shown in the last five games whereas I guess when you're a defender you don't feel like you're going to get those opportunities and if you do I can look back to the one against Arsenal when I did get a chance to put it over the bar but now I've obviously been training kind of in that position so it's enabled me then to kind of put it to practice on the pitching games. It's been rainbow laces weekend as well Ash. Do you think that still has an impact? I mean what do you guys say about these campaigns as a team before you go out you know there's going to be the corner flags and there's a lot of badges and lots of visibility around the ground do you think it still has an impact or do you think more needs to be done now no I think we're we're heading in the right direction I think definitely at Spurs I've seen a massive kind of uh, help from the um, LGBT group that we've got there that um, the Lily Whites I think they're great and they make sure that everyone kind of feels welcome and included and me personally coming into the club like six years ago now being Obviously, uh, a gay footballer, whatever people kind of label it as, I've always felt welcome, not only by that group, but by all of the fans, which is is something that they should take credit with. But I'm guessing there's always more we can do to, to kind of help that kind of thing move forward. But I think in the women's game, we've definitely got it going in the right direction. So. <laughs> this is juggling being a mum as well and playing football. <laughs> Uh, I do have to ask you about as well, um, Ibogia coming back into the team after that nine-month doping ban. I mean, you must have had so much sympathy as well with that situation. I know that the right thing happened and you have to check everything, but it obviously was something that she thought she was taking innocently for her skin. And then to not even be able to come into the training ground, Ash, I mean, can you get your head around what she's maybe been through over the last nine months? No, I can't, if I'm honest. I, I dread to think personally how that has affected her kind of, mental and, and kind of well-being not being able to like you say even being training with the team 
Um, but it's been great to have her back. She's kind of approached everything in the right way, um, very professional about it all. And she's she's one that on the pitch, it's great to have her back and kind of help the team move forward. But yeah, I, I don't know how she managed it, if I'm honest. I think she's, she's kind of got a good group of support around her. Obviously, as soon as we found out, the girls were very supportive. But for the first kind of few months, we obviously weren't allowed to kind of know what things were going on because it was quite serious from what we were told. Um, but since kind of the team found out and she was allowed to kind of come and speak to us, she's had massive support from from the club and from players. So I'm guessing that would have helped her. But yeah, I can't give her enough praise for how she's kind of dealt with it and how professional she's been about it all. And what did she do when she did come back into the fold? Did she sit down with you all and have a chat or was it just business as usual? No. So, yeah, we had a big chat in the group before she could even come and train. It was just kind of to let us all know kind of where she'd been because obviously we had no idea. But then when she was there back in training, obviously it was just training as usual. She'd been training away at home, gym and whatnot, where she could. So she's, she's fitted straight back in. Obviously, it's just match fitness now that she needs to get up to, which mm. being back on the pitch, obviously, yesterday and last week is great for her. And it's just building that back up now. Mm. Um, we really wish her well with that. So it's great to see her back in the team. I, I wanted to know about ACL injuries as well. Got four four players at the club out at the moment? Yeah, we have. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Quite, two quite recently, um, which is not great for us. Obviously, it's not great for them as players and us as a club. It's... It's a big, it's a big knock to us, but obviously we've got a great kind of team in around and girls that are, can kind of step up now. Obviously, we saw Gracie have her debut yesterday, which is great for her. She's been working really hard, and yeah, those kind of people that are on the bench have, have shown that we've got a, a big squad and depth there. But yeah, it's a shame, obviously, for Kaya and for Ellie that have both recently got it, and obviously we've got Kit and Ria that are in rehab on their way back. Hopefully, Kit will be back um, as soon as possible. And from speaking to them, do you think the biggest hurdle when it comes to rehab is that ability to then, when you are back, be able to go in 100% on everything? Or is there an element of them wanting to just hold something back because they don't want to do it again? Yeah, I think you definitely see that. Obviously, Jess was out um, for our first year in WSL with hers. And I think when they first do come back from what I saw with Jess, it was that, whole I don't want to go in 100%. I don't want to risk it. But at some point, I guess you've got to overcome that because you've probably put yourself more at risk not going in 100% yeah. than you are only going in at 50 with that kind of. So, yeah, obviously, I've only I've only ever played with Jess coming back from that. Um, obviously, there's still the, the four girls that are off at the moment, but I would think that that obviously is a, is a doubt in their minds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know that there is still so much work to be done there. It's something that I've been looking at as well recently. But, um, you know, there's so much of the game that's come on in leaps and bounds, Ash, and there's so much where you think the medical side as well and and just the way that women's bodies are different to men's as well. There's still a lot to be done. Is that something that you you all talk about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We know obviously it's more common in kind of in women than it is in men. And, and we've had a talk today in regards to women's football boots and whether kind of there can be kind of a growth in that because obviously at the moment majority of players are wearing men's fit, which not necessarily do they fit women's feet. Obviously, we know they're they're different to to men's, and could that be a possibility to reduce risk of injury, uh, ankle injury, knee injury? Um, so we had a really interesting talk on that today. So obviously the growth is there, and we're trying to grow it, and hopefully in the future that will kind of risk the injuries or the severe injuries as at best it can. 
Well, let's do something to talk about and highlight how far it has come instead, because I spoke to you when you got your 50th WSL appearance for Spurs. And of course, this is goes way back, doesn't it, past WSL, because you, you've been with this club for some time. Um, you spoke about playing in front of 50 people um, early on in, at Cheshunt. What, what does it feel like? Does it feel surreal when you think of your journey at this club? Yeah, obviously, it's a massive journey for me to come from when we're in uh, tier two and now up to playing as a as a full time job. I guess I don't really see it as a job. It's more still just something that I love doing. I don't feel like I'm going to work every day, which is is one of the best feelings ever, really. But I think over the time now, I've kind of realised that it is what it is now, where I am, and I just want to keep kind of pushing forward and kind of hitting those targets of fifty appearances, hundred appearances, goal of the month player of the month and potentially hopefully some sort of player of the season or an England call-up obviously is on the list for me to kind of get. Do you feel a loyalty to this club now? This is yeah this is my club now I've been here now nearly six years and it's home to me and I don't I don't ever want to think of of not being here I'd like to finish my career here and not that people want to talk about it. we was only talking about yesterday actually on the coach on the way back from Brighton that I don't want to think of the last game that I'm going to put on my boots and kind of finish my career. I'm hoping I've still got a good couple of years, but yeah, I'd like to think that I'm going to do that here at Spurs. Final one on the game that you've got this weekend, which is against Everton. I look at this, Ash, and I think Spurs and Everton, pretty similar, you know, pretty similar standard. I think coming off the back of the result that you just had as well, that 8-0 victory over Brighton, your confidence is going to be sky high. And Everton have just slowly been going about it. People haven't spoken about them as much as they did at the start of last season. So do you think this is going to be a real challenge? Is this going to be a tester of to, as to where you're at and where you possibly might finish the season? Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a tough game. Maybe I think they're playing a different style with the manager that they've got now. Obviously, we played them in pre-season, so we know a little bit, but I think it's going to be a real tough test. And I think it'll be, like I say, maybe a six-pointer that we're going to be in and around them. So we're, we're obviously in a, in, a, in a good place and got a lot of confidence. But I don't think they're going to come and kind of roll over. Obviously, it's our home pitch, so we want to go there and kind of make it hard for people to play. But I think it's going to be a tough game, yeah. Ash, thank you so much for your time. It's great to see you just absolutely thriving at the moment. And we'll let you get back to your other job, which is also being a mum and looking after and giving full attention to your daughter. She needs some of that right now. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks very much. Ashley Neville speaking to me earlier there. We will break down this game in more detail, but I I can't leave one of the points that she raised there, Bass, seeming as you used to play as well. I don't think that many people realise that you guys, you're all playing in men's size boots. And we don't know what the implication of that is when it comes to injury. Did you ever in your career have any boots bespoke made for your feet? No, no, I didn't personally. I, I know we did go through a stage when blades started to come out. And I know that there was a lot of players that were wearing blades initially to start with because it's a new thing to do. But then actually there was association um, to knee injuries with blades. So everyone went back to the circular uh, moulds or studs, as you like. Um, the only, but I know Kaz Khan used to have a boot specially made because she's a four, four and a half. And um, yeah, didn't want to wear kids' boots. Of course boots, she did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then obviously they, they did um, bring out women's fit, which was a narrower fit. So personally for me, I think I've got quite wide feet. So I just felt I wasn't comfortable. I felt it was all tight and congested and yeah, just really restricting. So I, I just used, yeah, men's size boots. But, you know, there's no no reason why 
you know, everything, every piece of equipment and your boots are so special and bespoke to you that they can't be specially made now. Do you think there's some mileage in this then? Maybe Charlotte can do a piece. We need to dig deeper into bespoke boots well, for women's feet. You, yeah. you, know, you can go and have your orthotics and you do all the, the testing on a treadmill. There's all, you know, really deep detail that goes into orthotics. So why couldn't it be something similar into, into boots perhaps? Can we set you an assignment? Will your boss allow it, Charlotte? Because also there's a lack of boot sponsors in WSL as well. It also astounded me to learn that not every player playing in the women's top flight has boots provided for them. They have to pay for them themselves. So if we add those two things together, have we got a boot feature that you could perhaps do? Challenge accepted. I've there already go. got Bass's uh, hunting me down for her caps and her list. I haven't forgot it, Bass. So yeah, I'll, I'll add it to the list. I know, I know, I'm still on it. But I remember um, Lucy Bronze speaking about the development of the women's game and she was saying how in the past, you know, they were wearing boots 10, well, sizes too big for them and now with England... Hopefully not 10 sizes too big for them. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) That was an exaggeration. (laughs) Um, But now they're custom made for England as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll leave you with that one and we'll revisit in about six months and see where you're at. But in terms of this game itself, Bass, uh, Brighton's second bottom, I mean, to concede eight, this is something I don't think we would have even contemplated last season under Hope Powell with with the defence. I think we're, we're seeing now what Maya Letizia and some of these other players that they lost in the summer, what they bought. But what do you think? Is this Does this say more about the plight that Brighton are in or does it say more about Spurs and what they're capable of? Yeah, perhaps a bit of both. I think firstly on Brighton, um, I was really impressed with them against Chelsea last week. I thought that, you know, I think they have been inconsistent in their performance level so far this season and the way they've set up. We've seen them set up in a back three, back five, um, and they look very different in and out of possession with maybe Victoria Williams having a freer role in possession to go into midfield. And so they're trying to be a bit more experimental and attacking. And then I think against Manchester United in the second half, we've seen a solid back four performance and against Chelsea again, the same. So there has been a lot of changes, I think, maybe really trying to experiment and find out what works for them. And I think for a team like Brighton, you know, you have to change something. We know Hope Power sets her side up. And similar to Rianne, very hard to beat defensively, you know, prior to this game. But in order to climb the table, in order to evolve and go forward and compete for trophies and climb up the, the table positions, you have to play attacking football. You have to score goals. And, but with that becomes a huge risk element. So I just think there's a huge inconsistency. And like you say, I do think losing Maya Letizia, like you say, Covisto, who went to Liverpool, she was yeah, a big part yeah. of that. Anessa Kargman, who's a great attacking player. Yeah, really, I don't know, really just I think when you, it's hard to find that balance. Um, and that's something that Rianne Skinner will certainly be pleased of from her Tottenham side on the flip side of that. Was there a point, Charlotte, where you thought that Hope Powell should have changed something? I don't know whether it's at 3-0 down, 4-0 down, 5-0 down, but is there something that she could have done to affect that game at that point that she didn't? We saw this in the you know England-Norway game in the Euros, uh, and at half time, the, there were there was criticism of the Norwegian manager saying you've got to do something different. I think with Brighton though, they were architects of their own downfall. I mean, the second goal was an error, 
And even, I know it's the seventh, but they gave the ball straight away back to Spurs from the restart. Um, So although Spurs were clinical and very effective, I also think Brighton were just poor. And And we saw last season regarding their inconsistency as well. What could Hope Powell have done? I mean, when you're that leaky in your defence, it, it, it was the basics that they really lacked. You know, maybe it's a lack of leadership, you know, because, you know, everyone automatically goes to the manager. What could the manager have done? But also it's about players on the pitch, you know, taking responsibility and look, you know, maybe going long for the next 10 minutes, maybe sitting a little bit deeper for the next 20 minutes. Don't concede, be hard to beat. You can also take leadership and responsibility on the pitch. And are they lacking those personality and character types? Just me jumping on here to say that since this recording, Hope Powell has resigned from her role at Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, We will, of course, revisit that story next week. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Below Brighton, down in 12th, are Leicester. Uh, This is how they got on this weekend. The crowd doing everything they can help their team secure what would be a late winner as Rowe with the shot it makes it two both teams were fighting for their first points of the season and Leicester thought Natasha Flint's goal in the first half had done it but Rachel Rowe came to Reading's rescue scoring not one but two goals in injury time to seal a 2-1 win a thrilling finish to this in terms of it being so late on in the game for, for Reading to find those goals Bass was was that them throwing everything at it just because they could see that if they if they lost this game or if they even drew it, it's going to be a tough tough season ahead? Yeah, I think from having played in games like this, when you're chasing, when you're 1-0 down, you know, you have the mindset, let's keep going, let's throw everything at it. We need the goal, we need the goal, let's attack, you know, and you're, you're more likely to take more risks because you're already losing the game. You, you know, it looks like with the last few minutes remaining, you're going to lose anyway, so you might as well. Whereas, you know, Leicester were holding on to it. So I think that's why, you know, when you get that little break, the the goal from the corner, you're already on that momentum. You're already, you know, having that mindset, the physicality, everyone's on the same page. And it doesn't surprise me that they got their second goal so quick because Leicester were probably shell-shocked. They'd probably, you know, it looked like they've, they really expend all their energy and determination holding on, trying to hold on to that 1-0 win. So, but all credit to Rachel Rowe. I mean, she's just synonymous with Reading, hasn't she? The amount of years she's been there, the good times, the bad times. She knows what it means to be a Reading player. Um, and I think if we look through the archives of WSL goals, she's certainly come up with some crackers in the past. And yesterday's too, especially that second one was, yeah, amazing. And especially with the importance of it, I think. We know that Brighton aren't too far away from these two in the table at the moment, but did you feel, Charlotte, that this was a relegation six-pointer, as we like to talk about in this uh, in this media world? I think it was a crucial one just to get points. Reading and Leicester had really struggled at the bottom of the table, and I think three points for Reading will boost them, build a platform for them to work on, whereas Leicester must feel pretty deflated to not have come away with anything. I just don't think they recruited well enough in the summer. We know that Willie Kirk uh, went over to Leicester as um, sporting director, I believe his role is. Um, But that was quite late on and 
they just need to hold out for January to really kind of get some reinforcements. But to be without points five games or six games that they've played, they're struggling. Mm. Well, they face Arsenal next, so that's not going to be an easy game to come back from and try and get a reaction, is it? But we will hear from Reading's goal-scoring hero. Um, Earlier, I caught up with Rachel Rowe. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us after a really long drive for you as well. Yeah, so we got given two days off yesterday um, after the game. So um, I drove back to Wales lunchtime from Reading today. So I've only just got back to my house. And has it sunk in? Have you relived those goals a few times? Yeah, a couple of times. I woke up in the night, funny enough. And it's just obviously the excitement of it and everything. Um, Still at 30 years of age, I get really excited and I'm so passionate. So, you know, when good things happen, they do repeat in your head. So there was a couple of times I had to give myself a little slap on the cheek and be like, go back to sleep. (laughs) What did your teammates say to you afterwards about it? And also the magnitude of the result. I, I think a lot of people felt that the winner of that game potentially puts themselves in a position to just have a bit of breathing space when it comes to the relegation debate. Yeah, of course. Um, there was pressure going into that game for everyone, players, staff, the club. We don't want to be in that position as players. You never do. You never want to be seen so early on in the season in what people would look at as a relegation battle. And no one is saying just with three points, obviously, we're completely up to that right now. But you are right, it does give us some breathing space um, for the moment. And obviously, the way the game ended, the adrenaline, you know, it seems like, you know, cup final game when you win a game like that. And it is so frantic. So, yeah, we definitely need to come back down to earth this week. Um, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, I'm not saying, you know, you know, but it, it's a start. And, and that's what we needed. We needed some points on the board just to have a little bit of leeway um, to relieve a little bit of pressure off ourselves. Laura Bassett told us that she really enjoyed your second goal. Um, what was going through your your head at that point? Put us with you on the pitch and what's going on around you and your decision-making. So I think, well, what probably other people would say about me and what I say about myself is I'm quite a creative player, can kind of make something out of nothing. And obviously, it's dying moments of the game, isn't it? We've got the draw. We got one back, obviously, but but for me, like it's not settling for a draw. I was never going to be satisfied coming away from that game with one point because you're in a no better situation than, you know, we're still bottom of the table. So, yeah, I think in those moments, you're kind of like, I'm just not having it. I'm whatever it takes type thing. And yeah, I obviously, as I picked the ball up from, you know, the scuffle that was had, I remember just seeing that slight gap in between the two players. So I, I swept inside, obviously. It was a bit of a scuffle. Then obviously another player come to press, so I swept past her. And it's a really tight angle because you're never going to be able to swivel and hit that. So I took another touch, uh, looked up, saw the goal. And I mean, the only place you can really go in that situation is a cross goal. So yeah, just everything I had left in my legs, I kind of shot. And <laughs> I do have quite a powerful shot when I hit it right. And yeah, I blinked and I seen the back of the net go. So I knew it went in. It was a fantastic finish. Really well done as well on, on the overall result to come back from a goal down. Let's talk about your time at Reading then, Rachel, because you've been there for some time. So you joined in 2015 and you've worked yeah. with Kelly Chambers all the way through. So you must know each other really, really well. Yeah, we do. Um, I first met Kelly when she was assistant manager for Wales. So I'd been called back into the Welsh squad. And yeah, she was assistant and a Jane Ludlow. And then obviously we got to know each other 
and I was just playing domestic football um, in Wales at the time. So it was complete complete hobby, not professional or semi-professional. Yeah. And what a delight she asked me to go and sign part-time with Reading. Um, so, yeah, we've been through, well, yeah, she's seen every part of my journey so far, going from semi-professional, well, not professional, semi-professional and into professional then. So, yeah, we do know each other really well. We've learned a lot, I think, together. Her as a manager, transitioning from a player to a manager, and her now being an experienced manager for the last, obviously, few years. So, yes, it's been nice. And what do you make of the club's position now? I mean, we've seen expansion. We've seen a lot more teams coming to WSL that that weren't there before. I'm thinking of Manchester United, who've had all that backing behind them. I think Spurs have grown as well considerably in a few years. And a lot's been made of the fact that Reading are the only club not associated with a Premier League men's team at the minute. Is that anything that weighs on you all as players or at the club? Do you sense any of that? I don't think it's a massive it's a massive issue, obviously, from the outside. I think maybe it would lack, you know, when people are moving clubs in, you know, in the transfer windows, maybe they don't look at us as a club that they want to join, maybe because of that. And it's not a big name like United and Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. Um, so maybe for them it's at the bottom of the pecking order. Um, certainly not something that's we're not made to feel any different within the club. I mean, they have a philosophy which is, you know, red in is one. Um, we share the same facilities, obviously, within the overall ground, um, which has been for the last season and a half. Um, and that's amazing to see that side of it, which we never had before. But they support us as well as they can. Um, and we know they're obviously not a premiership club. So there are going to be sacrifices that have to be made, but it's not a different situation than what we've been in before with them. And they do try and support us as best they can. And Kelly Chambers has taken on many, many roles at the football club. It feels like she props it all up as well. I mean, would that be fair assessment? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I don't know how many job titles she probably has under her, um, not just being manager, but she's director of of a lot of things and oversees a lot of things as well. Um, and over the past few years, I know she's had a lot on her shoulders with running numerous different things. Um, and I think she's managed to, find a balance now with having people do that for her and her more or less solely um, have responsibility over the the women's team and put all of her concentration and effort into that. But yeah, she's definitely a grafter and it doesn't go unnoticed within the squad, you know, and but probably from the outside perspective, she is just ready manager, but we obviously know how much more she does mm. and has done in the past as well. Like the reason the club is where it is, is because she pushes and other people push for us to have more. You said that you came from Wales. I thought that the that was an interesting um, contingent of the team, actually, was the Welsh setup. I know Natasha Harding since left, but you have had quite a few Welshes in there, and I'm sure that's helped with the, the team camaraderie. Yeah, of course. I think you do find, you know, when you you just have this different buzz when, you know, you go on internationals and, you know, with your people, I suppose, like, they, they're like my family. So, obviously, the more the merrier, really. But we definitely even though we haven't got as many now, we definitely find that, you know, that that neutral ground within the squad and there is a togetherness there. I don't think anything will ever replicate international football, unfortunately. I mean, I wish it could, but um, it's just a different thing. But yeah, it's great having obviously the Welsh girls there and having that family essence around the place and that, I don't know, that that normal ground that you just get used to. 
But you build friendships within football anyway. You know, it doesn't matter if it's international or Welsh or Scottish. We, we, we've got we've got an array of you have. In the squad. We have. You really have. have. And, and, it, and it's good. It's good to have the international experience. But even the girls that haven't got that, obviously, they step up week in, week out. That 1-0 defeat by Arsenal and how close that was. Is that the mentality going into Manchester City this weekend? You know, they are a team that have been up there and won a lot of things, but they've also had a lot of exits over the summer. They're adjusting themselves. You'd say there's a bedding in period for for Gareth Taylor with these new players. So what are you thinking going into this one? Yeah, I, I am probably a different breed where it comes to I'm fearless in who we play. I don't ever think a name says who's going to win the game. Uh, like I'm all for an underdog, so yeah. so yeah, I definitely think if we get our game plan right, we set up right, we set the right traps, we'll take our chances hopefully, um, and we can get a result. Who's a player for City that you really admire at the moment? I think they've got a few, haven't they? But obviously, I'm thinking if you're a creative player, is it another creative type? Oh, like I really enjoy watching Hemp play. Mm-hmm. Um, she's ridiculous. But they've got so much quality and um Bunny's been on form as she like she she's a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, they've they've got an abundance of talent and they have and you know they've had consistency and I think this is the first season that they've lost like some core players within their squad. And so, you know, there are cracks there and there's like you said, they're still working towards being the team that they were two years ago, like where they lost a little bit of form, but they've got phenomenal players. So, mm. you know. But I do have faith in the fact, you know, we'll work hard. Yeah, we'll do what we need to do to 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 try our best. And that's all you can ever do, isn't it? Exactly. Um, and and so. keeping Bunny quiet might be the biggest challenge. But if you if you get to do that, then you'll still be in it, I'm sure. I'm convinced. Yeah, there are definitely uh, well, that we have to nullify. Well, all the best. We wish you well. And uh, we are rooting for you all as well um, this season. So go put everything into it like we know that you do, Rachel. And uh, don't be shy about producing a few more of those goals like we saw last time out. I think I might have to pull a few more out earlier in the games. (laughs) Yeah, don't leave it so late next time. (laughs) Thanks very much, Rachel. Thank you. That was me speaking to Rachel Rowe earlier. Now back into London where Arsenal hosted West Ham. Arsenal with the corner. West Ham there. And it's not! And Jordan Knott has got Arsenal back in the game! Another day, another win for Arsenal. In fact, win number 13 in a row. Uh, Dagny brignard Tier opened the scoring for West Ham, but the Gunners fired back thanks to Jordan Nobbs, Stina Blackstenius, and yes, you guessed it, we were speaking about her last week, Frida Marnham. So they set this new record in WSL Bass for consecutive wins, 13. This comes off the back of them also setting a record for clean sheets, which I spoke to Jonas Eideval about very recently. Is it going to be one of those seasons where we're just going, record tumbling, another record tumbling? <laughs> I hope so. Is it going to be I a constant? Well, yeah, I hope so, because that means it's more entertainment value for us, doesn't it? Although record, we haven't had a draw yet in the WSL, have we? That How strange. That's got to be a record after oh, five, six games, surely. That is awesome. Um, but no, all credit. I mean, that is a huge record, isn't it, for Arsenal? Just, I think, the mentality of the players, the squad, the backroom staff, like, that's hard going. You know, every single week you're faced against different opposition, different challenges, and to keep the motivation levels up there, the determination. Can they set a new record to keep going? 
I think I'm maybe I'm still giddy after they beat Leon because that was quite the result. Speaking of which, including that result, you go back in games and now three in the last four matches, Viv Miedemar has been on the bench. Now, I wonder if choosing Marnham over Miedemar isn't as straightforward as some of us are thinking and making out. Maybe it's to do with the defensive qualities with Leah Williamson and um, Raffaele both out at the moment at centre-back. I think that was a point as well that was on the, the live TV coverage that was being made in their analysis. But is this in part down to Miedemar herself, Bass? You know, she was an out-and-out striker, scoring goals for fun, this is what got her all of these plaudits and tags of goat. You know, it was all all of her play around the the box, wasn't it? And now we see her dropping further and further back. And we're told that playing this deep lying, it's like a deep line midfield come striker role, like more of a number 10, that this is her choice. It's what she wants to do. She wants this role. Because I think if she says and puts her hand up, you know what, I'll go back to number nine then maybe Blackstenius doesn't start. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I think everything changed, the whole perspective on the situation changed when Blackstenius went to Arsenal in the January transfer window. I think if you look at Jonas Eideval, the way he likes to play historically, it's with an aggressive number nine in terms of running in behind, pressing from the front, which fits the Blackstenius profile. Then I think we saw Miedemar drop back, didn't we, into more of a creative role and yeah, I, I just I just think it's really interesting um, how he's going to fit it in, whether what, exactly what he looks for. But I think what I'd like to see is, I think Jordan Nobbs and Marnham, all credit to them as players, if they're not in the squad, if you're not in form, when you get your opportunity, come, show me, be hungry, give to the team, get player of the match, score goals. I know it's harder for defenders, but do Lotta Wubamoy and Catley are doing, you know, they, they are doing a job. So coming to the team, add value to the squad. That's how I would like to see Miedemar come back when she gets her opportunities. You know, how are you going to impact? Because at the moment, I think Nobbs and Marnham are a manager's dream. If you, you, You're never going to agree with the manager. You're always going to think you should be playing. But when you do get your opportunity and your chance, because Arsenal and Chelsea have so many games with Champions League, how can you add value to the team? How can you impact the game? So that's what I'd like to see more of her do. You know, we haven't seen Miedemar in this position for a very long time. I'm sure she's not, you know, felt it herself. But, you know, what's the reaction? How are you going to put your stamp, make Jonas Eidebaugh pick you week in, week out? Jordan Nobbs did do very well. You mentioned her there and she she scored a lovely goal in the Champions League win over Zurich. And then it was a brilliant equaliser in this game. She came on slightly bittersweet because Kim Little had to go off with an injury. Kim doesn't go down very often, so we we hope that she's okay. But in her going off, it meant that Jordan Nobbs came on and she did have another impressive match. One more discussion point around Idaval. I believe that what Idaval did was ask for the weekend off between European games. Now, Kiva O'Neill discussed this on the Athletic website and apparently has also asked for bigger squad sizes. What can you tell us about that? speaking to Jonas uh, before the game we, we spoke about the discussion points that he'd like to bring up and he mentioned uh, that larger squads would be better for him to build a collective so in the Champions League uh, you're allowed 12 on the bench whereas with uh, WSL you're only allowed nine so that means that three players that he has in his Champions League squad have to be left out for the WSL squad. And he also mentioned fixture scheduling 
as well. The problem is, is that, you know, West Ham were only, couldn't even fill their nine spaces. Uh, they named five outfield players, not even a, a backup goalie. Oh, yeah, it was such a short list, yeah. So if you do have larger squads, I feel it's only going to benefit the teams with the larger resources, Chelsea, Man City, uh, Arsenal, Manchester United. And it's a case of the rich will get rich and the poor will get poorer. Also, that means that players would be given minimal minutes. So again, it's balancing playing time as well. But regarding the European fixtures and if you had a free weekend of WSL in order to concentrate solely on the Champions League, I'm not sure I I agree with that. I think that's part and parcel of being in the European competition is that you, you have to manage those clashes, but also... It's an opportunity for other players like we've seen. He made seven changes for Zurich and then made six changes for Sunday. It's other opportunities for players like Jordan Nobbs to shine. That's one of the privileges as well, isn't it, of being in the Champions League? Um, I, I don't agree with that side of things. And the bigger squad sizes, it is, it's strange that it's an uneven number. 12 in Europe, 9 WSL maybe he has a slight point there. West Ham, let's take away from watching them that they are a very two-halved team. The first half, electric. They've scored all of their WSL goals this season in the first half. They started quick, really on it, chasing everything down. Second half, though, faded away completely. Now, this is something that's not a revelation to Paul Koncheski. He must have noticed this by now. I mean, obviously we spoke about it post-match, but what does he do about it, Bass? You know, that there's clearly something, is it energy levels? Is it concentration? Is it that he hasn't got enough options off the bench to freshen things up? Probably a culmination of all, all of those, Lindsay, to be honest, I think. I think he makes it a unique selling point, doesn't it? That I think if you hear in his interview, we want to catch Arsenal cold. You know, we want to start aggressive front foot because I think... You know, they in all the games, West Ham caused their opposition problems. And, and last night, Sunday night, was no different. So they are a very unique side, very aggressive. I think SA is coming into her, her own. Brynja's Dotti has just been fantastic. All, all In every single game, she just gets better and better. And she just makes, she's the heartbeat of that West Ham team. And um, her goal should have stood. Do you agree? Yeah, yes. That header. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. If you think they would have been 2-0 up. Hmm. Yeah, changes the outlook, doesn't it? So I just think they, they, you know, they. when you focus so much from that, when that's all your key messaging, start the game strong and, and all of a sudden that then your energy and your adrenaline takes you to half time. And it's then, like you say, a culmination of all those concentration. Do we have any game changers? You know, like we've already mentioned about the substitutions. I know they had quite a few Snurler, Sissoko, Lucy Parker out. They had quite a few of those players that would make a difference somehow, whether from the bench. So... It is, and obviously Mackenzie Arnold, although Hillier did have a good game, you know, she brings that experience and presence. But yes, I think they do need, you know, maybe they'll look, maybe they'll give Paul Koncheski more money to go in the January transfer window and, and get a few more game changes to try and keep that momentum and energy levels up in the second half. One of my observations as well, I did put put it to him in the, the post-match interview. I don't know whether that ran though, but he stayed out bass on the pitch for a good four minutes after the halftime whistle went. So I, I was actually the sound guy, Andy, who works with me, who nudged me, he went, he's still out on the pitch. I was like, oh. And so I wondered, you know, who's doing the team talk? But I think it's it's one of his tactics. It's one of his moves. He let he lets them go in, 
reflect on it themselves, and then just pops in for the last minute or so to give them a rallying cry. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think a, a lot of managers do tend to do that because players, when you, you know, when you go into the change rooms, you're thinking about you need the toilet, you need to change your top, you need to do this, you need to sort yourself out. So actually, the information at halftime needs to be succinct, short, very specific. So I think, you know, all, I think it's a really smart thing to do. Let let the emotions, let them do the chat and let players sort the problems out because they're the ones on the pitch that need to do it and then just go in and deliver your message. Very calm and relaxed, I thought, attitude. <laughs> uh, well, in the other games of the weekend, aside from Arsenal, Manchester United are the only other unbeaten team in the league as they beat Everton 3-0. They are top of WSL as it stands. There were two goals for Lauren James as Chelsea defeated Aston Villa 3-1 after their 8-0 win in the Champions League midweek. Uh, Bunny Shaw hopped up again for Man City as they beat Liverpool 2-1, playing in their new maroon shorts to fight period anxiety, something that we've spoken about on this very show. Hannah Hampton, this story is starting to really gather some momentum. This is from Aston Villa. Now, the Telegraph have been reporting that Carla Ward said that Hannah was available for that last match. Something happened yesterday. This is what she said when she was being interviewed at the match. And we decided it was in the best interest of the team for her to stay at home. However, Hannah Hampton still went to that match. Um, The Guardian reporting that she was dropped by Serena Wiegmann because of her behaviour and attitude at team camps. So Bass, I suppose you're our intel. You're you're the only person we would know that would maybe have heard anything about this story. We know that at the time, um, just after the Euros, when it came to the, the New England camps, Beegman said, didn't she, that she had some personal issues that she had to solve. But I mean, attitude and behaviour, does does this stick for you? Does it make sense? I mean, there's certainly a lot of you know, things going on, reasons. You know, I thought it was injury. I thought she had a head injury. Um, that was what I, I read. But yeah, the, obviously what Serena Weidman's been saying, you know, in Carla Ward's interviews, it certainly sounds like there's something going on internally. I just hope that, you know, something can be resolved. If Hannah Hampton, if, if Serena Weidman is saying she's got attitude or behaviour, you know, uh, is the right resources and support involved for, involved for the... She's still only a young player, isn't she, with huge talent, so who and how and what are we supporting the player with and we working together instead of, I don't know, maybe, look, we, all we know we've got this talented goalkeeper that's not playing football at the minute. So can we support them in any any way you know, possible to get them back on the pitch? You just want her to, to get back to where she was. And one of the insinuations as well in one of the articles I read was that Wiegmann's said that she doesn't think she'll be selected again while she's there, which is quite alarming. Um, we don't know how much truth, though, there is in those, and we need to really hear from from both parties, don't we? In other news, um, the Lionesses have announced that they'll be playing the first ever women's finalissima. Is that how I get to say it? I can't say it normally. I've got to go finalissima. <laughs> Uh, against Brazil um, in April 2023. It's the Euro winners versus the Copper America champions. This has never happened in women's football before. It's happened in the men's game, but it's the first time it will happen in the women's. And tickets went on sale on Monday morning. Um, Another one, Hall of Famers. If I was you, 
Bass, I'd get the pencil out because you're probably going to get a date coming up at some point for this happening for you. Awards and honours all round because congratulations to Karen Carney, Enia Luco and Katie Chapman. They've all been inducted into the WSL Hall of Fame. Well done as well to Casey Stoney, who has named NWSL Coach of the Year and the Lionesses won the Pride of Britain Inspiration Award. So many for us to digest over the last week. Um, I do believe as well, Bass, that yours will be coming there with the Hall of Fame at some point. What award are you most proud of achieving in your life? We'll start with the footballer and I'll come to you, Charlotte. So get get those awards out for your journalism in a moment. <laughs> well, I thought, it, I thought you wanted a bit of fun. So I'm going to go back to my primary school days when oh, okay. I, actually, okay. I actually got a certificate for um, the best flower arrangement. Did oh. you know? Yes. And I, I, you know, I haven't developed my talent since, so maybe I, maybe it's a calling for me. But yeah, that was pretty special. Very nice. And this flower arranging was this part of a girl guides thing, like to get no, a brownie badge. You just did it off your own. Yeah, no, at primary own. school there was like, yeah, we did it, and oh, there I am. I've still got a photo of me with my. It was. It's awful. <laughs> but yeah. There we go. You've just reminded me, actually, I, I had two things from, I don't think it was primary school. One was primary school. And I'm not sure whether the other one was the first year of secondary school, but I am awful when it comes to art. So it's hilarious that both of these things happened. But we had to, with clay, make a, a mask. And this mask, I got in the paper with it. That, uh, that's really funny because I think it was awful probably and I I wouldn't even know where to begin now if I had a, a chance to do something like that and then the other one is Charlotte might be too young but I know that Bass will be able to know with me do you remember the days up in the Midlands where you could do a picture and then you might be on the local weather yeah yes the yeah local weather bulletin I got one on the local <gasps> no. weather bulletin sorry yeah. sorry I, I'm lost it say that Michael Fish with Michael <laughs> No, I don't think it was Michael Fish. Oh, but um, no, school children used to be able to have the chance when we were younger, Charlotte, to do a picture and the best pictures got picked and went on the local weather bulletin and it flashed up for all of two seconds and went again. But yeah, I got one on the ah. local weather bulletin. Not that I've got any evidence of it because it was VHS tape time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you, Charlotte? And you've had enough thinking time. Yeah, I'm. I can't beat flower arranging. Really, that is the pinnacle. Um, it's probably something very academic. Um, but I did remember we played in the Dana Cup over in Denmark, and I got to hold the trophy as Ipswich Town came back. Um, and it felt like I was a celebrity when I was only about twelve. You know, when you walk through the airport <laughs> aisles and everybody's watching you. But um, yeah, that's, I can't beat flower arranging. No, there's something a bit tragic about holding someone else's trophy, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was our trophy. Oh, it was your trophy. <laughs> That's fine then. That's fine. That's fine. I thought you were talking about holding someone else's. Um, we'll let you have that one. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up in the WSL next weekend, the big game sees Manchester United hosting Chelsea. Tottenham will see if they can work their magic again as they host Everton. Uh, Leicester face a tough test as they welcome Arsenal. Brighton will try to turn things around against West Ham. Plus Reading play Man City and Liverpool take on Aston Villa. And as well as that in Spain on Sunday, it's El Clasico, Real Madrid host Barcelona. Some of the scenes that we saw from an El Clasico last season, 90,000 plus going to that game. I hope we get images like that again. 
I'm just, I feel like we've, you know, the, the top of the table clashes haven't really got going yet, have they? We've seen Chelsea, Man City and what a game that was with all the talking points. So it's about time a, a big, huge top of the table clash um, was here. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it with guaranteed goals. So maybe this, maybe I've just cursed it now. It's going to be a nil-nil draw. But yeah, really entertaining. And I think, look, whenever the big teams meet, it's about managing momentum, making the least amount of mistakes, you know, really capitalising the, the players stepping up in big moments and taking them. But I think the key battle I'm looking forward to, I think we saw how well Hayley Ladd and Katie Zellum played against Everton in midfield and really bossed it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of, we're seeing Chelsea play different types of midfield. So whether that's Erin Cuthbert, we know has stayed in there, but whether it's a Sophie Ingle or a Jesse Fleming, and whether Lauren James plays central or out on the right. So, you know, that midfield, because look, the attacking talent that, that's on display in, the, in this game is just phenomenal, isn't it? You know, these players love scoring, enjoy scoring and will score. So it's more the midfield battle that, that I'm, I'm more intrigued. Mm. So a key matchup or a tactical point from a Chelsea point of view, Charlotte, I'm going to aim at you. I think Chelsea will really look to exploit uh, Manchester United's fullbacks. We saw the width that Lauren James and Gura Wrighton provided for Chelsea against Everton. Flo Lloyd-Hughes has written a piece on The Athletic explaining that in detail. But yeah, I think that will be really interesting how Chelsea exploit the space behind Manchester United's fullbacks. And Canaridge, you know, the new summer signing, she offers something different, a genuine kind of right winger, which allows a different shape and an attacking formation for Chelsea. So maybe we'll see her coming, making an impact off the bench. But what a tasty tie. Mm, can't wait for that one. I'm going to be there as well. It will be live on Sky Sports Manchester United against Chelsea. A couple of the ones that stick out to me and, um, you know, dip in either of you with whichever ones you're looking forward to. But in terms of being more evenly matched, I think Spurs Everton and Liverpool Villa maybe. I think Villa do, Villa do have an edge there, but they should be interesting matchups. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Tottenham Everton as well. I think Everton are a real difficult team to play against and can Tottenham get those back-to-back wins and prove that they can keep scoring goals? You know, have they found their flow? Have they unlocked the secret? We'll see. But I think, you know, Everton are a really tough side to play up against. I agree with you, Lindsay. Uh, Liverpool against Aston Villa. I think that would be a really interesting tie. Liverpool need points on the table. We have seen that they ran Manchester City close at the weekend. Rachel Daly has been in fine form for Aston Villa, but um, I'm intrigued to see which way this one will go. Well, those are all the fixtures that we've got to look forward to. Bass and Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us for this show. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. And that is all we have time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Thank you as well for listening at home. Uh, Keep the comments coming on social media. We've got a new handle now as well, at The Athletic FC. At The Athletic FC. Plus the usual at Offside Rule Pod. We always like to hear your thoughts and engagement on some of the topics that we've spoken about. Also, if you listen to this show and you haven't hit follow yet please do. It does help us when it comes to booking more guests around the game from different teams. Um, Maybe we even go to America, bring in, you know, Abby Wan back one day to give some thoughts on on something. Anything. We can aim big is is what I'm getting at. So hit follow if you listen every week and you don't already. Thank you very much. Bye for now.
The Athletic.